Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. I, I was unable to sneak in on you guys and get some, uh, you know, some pre, pre knowledge of uh, recording starting mm. chatter that I usually like to get. But anyway, uh, so we're here today. Who's here? Who Hello, Jim, Hello. Oh. Sarah. So there's the three, but uh, we have a secret hidden fourth voice. Oh. Right. Do you? No. Yes, oh, there, there it is. is. There it is. <laughs> Jim, why don't you go ahead and... Welcome. We're here uh, this afternoon or morning, morning I guess. Mid it's morning. still morning, mid-morning with uh, Chris Strauth. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. In our <laughs> steamy <for> studio. <laughs> so, it is <laughs> delightfully balmy. Delightfully yes. balmy. I like the palm trees. Yeah, yes. the palm trees yes. are swaying today. Mm-hmm. Um, San Francisco, yep. California? Right, so right. Where are we? Well, Somewhere? we're really in Northeast, but, yeah. It, yeah. but it feels it's like, like we're... Or? Yeah. Yeah, it's the tiki drinks that I think give it the real Polynesian feel. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. And the fact that you're all wearing grass skirts, which I find a little disconcerting, <laughs> oh. but I'm trying not to judge. Okay. We just happen to today. Well, I'm going to pull mine back down a little bit more. <laughs> all right. So. Sure. Jim's looking good in his skirt, as usual. It's the yeah. coconut bra I find the most disturbing oh. of him. <laughs> Sam, Sam does have that coconut bra. Don't make bra. Jim laugh too much. i got to turn him down all the time. <laughs> Then you're in for a problem. <laughs> uh, so oh Chris Strauth, Chris Strauth, uh, what brings you in today, if I might ask? Did, were you invited? Or did you just sort of... I invited him. <laughs> oh, yeah. you were invited. Yeah. I was stealing a car. Oh, boy. Here and uh, it was just, it seemed like the thing to do. I just happened to be wandering by. I had nothing better to do with my yeah. time but come to this little tropical paradise. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. It's, it, it is, is sweaty here today. I kind of like it now that... I mean, it's been a, a long, cold winter. It was a long, cold winter, and we haven't really had summer yet. I, I can take a couple of days of this before I'm ready to be like I'm d- I'm fall again. Yeah. And this is what happens when you get a bunch of Minnesotans in a room. They talk about the weather. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, we, Jim always I, you know what else is bad? Road repair. <laughs> yeah. <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it always that and people talk about the potholes? It's, it's like, well, duh, it happened. Fine. Plus, you're in northeast, so you've also got to right. mention gentrification. Oh, oh we've time. had we've had that conversation. Oh. And that is Minneapolis bingo. Uh, yes, <laughs> it is. There you go. Well, that, so that would be that's that. a great Minneapolis so I bingo. I guess we're yeah. done. Right? Yeah. We've talked about everything that matters. Oh, we've just started. Oh, so just all right. Well, we'll we'll keep going. So on. let me let me yeah. uh, go with this. Is that uh, Chris? You and I have known each other for a very long time, but we don't know each other. We have a lifetime of acquaintanceship. Mm-hmm. We do. Yes, and uh, you know, in in recent weeks, I thought like, wow, it'd be great to have you come on in and, and actually talk about yourself because I think there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you've done a lot. Here in the Twin Cities, and um, this is about life and legacy, and and you, you certainly know. have lived a life. Right? Yeah, I've it's, been told. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, that's, that was my <laughs> initial invitation but the, to Chris. But I love how he, so, he doesn't say how we know each other. Like we were in juvie together. Right. Well, okay. Dreaming so to killed a man. All right. I saw Chris a while back ago in juvie. You know. Yeah. And I said Wait, the mean streets. Right. Did think, you grow up on the mean streets of Crystal as well? Uh, no, I'm from the gangster haven that is Fridley. <laughs> Ooh. 
that's Fridley. also a friendly God's Fridley. country. Yes, right. Fridley. So Crystal and Fridley. Who I else mean, did we have in who was from Fridley? Let's uh, uh, not that it matters, but was it uh, friendly was Fridley? Next, do- next door to Crystal, though. Uh, Robin Stale. We should have a map with where everyone's from. There I actually have a running feud <laughs> with the oh. city of Fridley. Um, nice. Like seriously, like the Sun newspapers have, have gotten on me uh, because I, I've written extensively about how much Fridley sucks, and right. it's a statement <laughs> I'll stand by. Um, but they were like, they were like, no, there's lots of great people from Fridley, and then they and then they used me as a reference, and I'm like, oh. that doesn't count. I hated it there. <laughs> Did you write like an op-ed letter in? Like, uh, no, I, I wrote a column for City Pages for a couple of years. And so basically I just got to bitch about, sure. um, well, not really bitch about stuff, but tell stories of my life and therefore uh, bitch about things. There were complaints in there. Yeah. Yeah. Grievances from well, the past. It's, you know, Fridley. Uh, Fridley oh, welcomes well. you with, uh, you know, snarly teeth and, uh, it's and gristle. Fridley. <laughs> right. right. To our one well, listener, Crystal kind of does yeah. too. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. There's a difference. No, they've added the meth to that to the name of that <laughs> suburb now, I believe. Right. <laughs> Crystal <laughs> meth. Yeah, Crystal <laughs> meth. Crystal <laughs> meth and no hope. Yeah, we've gone over this before. Oh, no hope. Oh, God. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're very yeah. sorry for all of our... No, we're not. It's fine. Crystal, it is fine. Uh, Fridley, New Hope, they all have their issues. And and they're trying to work through them. I'm glad. I think you feuding with the uh, with the city of Crystal... or uh, Fridley. Fridley probably helps them. I am inclined to think so. What's weird is now I live not far from it. And so that's my target. The target I grew up at is where we go buy groceries. And it just always feels, every time I go in, it's like, oh, I'm vomiting a little inside. So it's exciting. What is it about that particular target? It's near my house. Okay, it's just the proximity. You really didn't like it there, did you? You know, it's hard to find a lot of people with Fridley pride, but I'm sure they're there. Um, I, so one of the best questions I've ever been asked in an interview. Oh, and let's, just, let's repeat that. Then. <laughs> that that really just threw me for a loop was, uh, oh, God, the classical uh, Michael Anthony, who is the classical writer for The Strib. When it's still weird to me that I also follow as a classical composer. And I'm pretty sure my mom rolls in the grave every time that comes up. <laughs> but uh, he so his first question to me, and I never talked to him before, and he's like, so... You grew up in Fridley. How did you overcome that? Oh. <laughs> it's one of the only times I've been dumbstruck. And I was like, all right, you win. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you, you haven't overcome okay, it Okay, so, so I grew up in a lot of different places, but I graduated from Elk River. And, I, and, and I, there's this long, I'm sorry. I know. There's yeah, this long I mean, family that's history. Not, you're kind of right in the ballpark, well, But, but here's my deal, right? So, so my... You know, my father's family, not so much from Elk River, but kind of from Elk River. My mother's family, generations going back. My stepfather's family, generations going back. So the, what I remember as a kid is sort of this connection to a place that my my ancestors came from. But Elk River as a town when I grew up sucked. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, and it probably still does. I don't know. It's a very different place than it was when I was there. I, I like the way you talk about that, like... We are the Elk River people. Like it somehow has this great legacy. Like as opposed to they landed there at some point and yeah, it's a life and legacy show. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean when when sort of everybody in town says, "Oh, 
well, there's two things that I always got told when I was a kid. Either your grandfather, Harley, was the nicest guy and he stuccoed my house. He mm-hmm. stuccoed my business. He like he just was a that was his his company was a stucco company that stuccoed two thirds of the northeast corner or northwest corner of Minneapolis. Uh, Donnelly Brothers was the one that did a lot of the rest of it. But anyway, so it was either this fond memory of my grandfather having stuccoed their home or or some memory of that, or your Uncle Pete beat the shit out of me when I was yeah, I 12 years old. Yep. That, and oh. so, like, I always thought it was kind of cool that people knew uh, my right. grandfather. One of your two relatives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, they were, but, the, but the reaction was very different, which one they knew. It would have been so. hilarious if your Uncle Pete had stuccoed someone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, beat him up and then stuccoed him. He may well have. Oh, like he beat my father feather. to death oh. with a trowel. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, I mean, boy. he did stucco, too. No one ever said... Oh, I loved your uncle Pete. He stuck on my house. <laughs> what? Yeah. What's important Sorry, is Pete. every time he, he he says Uncle Pete and a death thing, he points at me, which is <laughs> makes me feel uncomfortable. Apparently, and he's holding they, a trowel this whole time too. Very awkward. It's funny because I love my uncle Pete. So, oh. I, but he was a little rough when he was younger, I guess. Sure. Right. Um, rough and tumble. But well, I wonder. I wonder what it takes for a town to. Uh, it, to persist as a bad memory for so long for a per- like what what did they do to you what did that or town do you want to talk about not getting do the you? shit kicked out of me for oh, there you go. seven years there you go might have had something to do with yeah. it it's possible so, mm-hmm. that's the same sort of shit that would have happened in my hometown of Elk River that I didn't the like the same too. shit that happened in Crystal every day at that bus stop I was like <laughs> God I hope I don't get the shit kicked out of me by these dirts that live next door to me you know and then eventually you know they. They left I high wonder, school, and then I wow. stopped getting beat but up. But it makes me wonder. I mean, I I'm, and I know we've been joking and everything. Right. We'll continue to joke. But it, it does make me wonder if, if first of all, there was a town that where where kids who were sort of creative or didn't fit in didn't get the shit beat out of them in the seventies or sixties or whatever eighties eighties. Yeah, like I'm not quite that old, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was yeah. that was directed. But I always I always age him by about ten years. He likes to just yeah. say uh-huh. like it's, a, it's he thinks old. it's really You're my new one. adversary. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. have fun with that. <laughs> he yeah, thinks it's I very mean, funny when I do day, it. You know? Yeah. No, but but seriously so I can beat you in a race. So, so was there a place <laughs> in the upper Midwest where or or in the country for that matter where a kid wasn't getting the crap beat up? Yeah. Because now everyone's gonna get mad at me is Madison. Wisconsin. Yeah, but I lived. I mean, oh, I was well, in you fear know why in Madison everything yeah, was crap. To Everybody was drunk, <laughs> or, even the or kids or stoned. Yeah. Oh, pretty much. My high yeah. school. Yeah. But yeah. here's the thing about it: um, happy people don't sing sad songs, yeah. right? So yeah. Billie Holiday had a really messed up life, right? Like probably the most messed up life you can sort of imagine outside of being in like a facility for torture. Right. <laughs> And her voice is amazing. Yeah. I mean, but you don't get a voice like that because things were awesome, right. right? You don't get you don't get people who are funny because it was like, oh, they grew up on a unicorn farm, <laughs> right? Everything oh, worked out perfectly well, that, all the time. For that them. was really great. I mean, that is how you get banal, inane crap, um, right. and and that's great. You know, you need banal and inane crap. But you talk to any kind of serious artist type. Um, Oh my God! You know there is some there's some Trauma. serious damage, um, and that's. Does that mean that 
that that leads me to a whole nother question then does that mean that we're not going to be raising good artists because we're so nice to kids these days there's no getting beat up at the bus stop anymore oh mm. but they're messing them up in a whole Social other way oh good yeah. good good so we've got other it's still oh, exists. Online yeah. For they're sure. getting messed up bullying in some in other way. There's way. online bullying. There's parents that are just a whole new kind of Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and the fact that, but you also have these kids who so just those don't, will be the future artists, so. don't get left alone ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, not to bring it back to me, but I'm going to bring it back to yeah. me. Well, yeah, well, you are the guest. So. You run the show. Um, <laughs> you're all fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, the thing God, is, is like nice. you, you come up. <laughs> you Sorry, just, Chris. You just made his day. You yeah. fired him, and he's I like, "I have a way out." He's <laughs> taking his headphones off. He's leaving but the studio like, right now. He's like, "Holy I'm crap!" Done. I'm done. Uh, but why would you leave this this tropical hula? Paradise? <laughs> That's true. I'm gonna keep. Uh, I'm gonna keep, keep hammering this until I will exotic cocktails into into play. But but we all come up with. Creativity, to a certain extent, is an answer to a question you don't know how to ask. If the, I mean, God, this boy, is so. I, this is twice so now. Hippie. I had to look off into space and try and think of exactly what you were saying. You brought a depth with you. That's <laughs> yo. That's that's my wheelhouse. <laughs> I, I did a perfect vice lord symbol. You did. There. You did. Very gangster. <laughs> All right. Let me go back to that one. What was that? Well, the whole point is that that. You sort of figure out a way to solve a problem because things are bad or that, and it comes out in a different way. Yeah, I knew a kid growing up who was he? You know, he was like a popular kid. Not, I'm not talking about me because I was not a popular kid. Yeah, I think we all uh, of us that had the crap beat out of us every day were, the, uh, <laughs> were in that group. But right. it's like I always thought he was pretty normal and and stuff was cool in his thing and he could draw really well then i met his parents and i'm like oh man your parents are like not as bad as mine but close mm. and and this is the sort of thing that you you getting to uh you know but he would draw these little surf dudes and uh years later i realized he was just drawing murph the surf uh, but it was like <laughs> but it's like hey this is cool because that that became an outlet it became a way of of that and it's like I think some people become funny because it's a way to get people to stop beating the crap out of them. Totally. To shift the the attention to a different... mm -hmm. Instead of you beating the crap out of me, can I make you laugh for a minute? Yeah. Would that work? Yeah. And I learned uh, music simply because uh, I was drowning out my parents' arguments. For real. Right. You know, and it it worked incredibly well. Um, And what age did you start all of this? About six or seven. Six or seven. Well, it dawned on me, like... um, we had a house that had very thin walls, right? So, um, like, early tape recorders, like, my parents would continue. Like, I had headphones at a very early age. and But it was great because what I realized is you could mess with the tape. You could do all this stuff where you're just a kid messing around. And uh, I seem to have made a career out of it. So, right. yay me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. I raised the roof. So, and they pushed yeah. you to it. Uh, and they probably hated that you went that direction, yet they were the ones pushing you to it through their arguing. Yeah, you, through, you, through all that kind of stuff. And, that, and that's yeah. the thing is, I think that's true for just about anybody, anybody who's doing art is it's, it's a solution that you just sort of come up with because you don't know where else to put that energy. It's, uh, it's, you know, I mean, that's part of art is it's an abstract solution to a concrete problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I, God, the death. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's an operation of time. 
is what it is. It's the way I operate. You know, it, it's a meditative thing for me, you know, as an artist. You know, I like to, but I started early too, you know, um, just as a way of like wanting to sort of get but away. That's because you were and weird. Outlet. Well, yeah, that's why I was getting beat up too, <laughs> you know, I mean. Because you were just a different kid. You were planting rocks under your bed and whatnot. What, what's well, worth probably true. pointing you know, out yeah. to the to people is that the way James and I know each other is he was friends with my cousin. Mm-hmm. And ergo, ergo, I'm kind of assuming my cousin partially be- was the one who beat you up. Oh, yeah. When we were little, I think we, we didn't get along that well. But he didn't beat me up. It was the other dirts on my street. No, I can he, see, he I can see eventually... Uh, we'll we'll call him Stevie for yeah. purposes of our show, but uh, but I could I could see Stevie eventually being your protector too. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. We're yeah. best friends. I mean, yeah. I, I love him dearly, and uh, you know. But yeah, we didn't know each other when we were younger. Yeah. It wasn't until later in life. Well, when he and I were kids, uh, Stevie, Stevie, um, <laughs> and uh, when he and I were kids, he was basically uh, Bart Simpson. And yeah. sadly, I was kind of Milhouse. <laughs> um, okay, but Bart and Milhouse get along. But Bart is also horrible to Milhouse. He is. He's a total. <laughs> he's just. He's just a total douche. He is. Um, and and it was kind of that way till punk rock, and then all of a sudden I came into punk rock, and it's like, wow, everything changed because. Um, and Stevie Stevie started to treat you differently then. Uh, well, we were. We'd gotten apart a little bit, but it was like pretty much in everything. It was like all of a sudden like, oh, you're going to beat me up? Here, I'm going to do it for you. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and and that kind of reverse Fight Club pre-Fight Club seemed to work. Yeah. Um, because I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there was a guy in high school who ripped my leather tie in half which just tells you when I graduated high school and um, a leather tie. Yeah, yeah it was classy oh, yeah. too. I got it at uh, Hal's two for one sale. Okay. There was an acrylic sweater that matched. And uh, so I just came back the next day with it safety pinned together. It's just like, oh, do it again. Yeah. Right. Do it yeah. again. Right. Oh, the safety care. pin probably added some, that was kind of a nice touch. Too. Well, it was good, especially in a Catholic school. So sure. it just said, yeah, yeah. He's hey, in a Catholic I... school with safety pin. Very very hardcore. Very punk. Yeah. Said yeah. no See, one now, ever. Now I'm starting to get it, though. Actually, that that whole conversation, because I didn't feel, I grew up, you know, I didn't feel that put upon as a kid. I think I was big enough that I didn't get beat up, but I was always the new kid in school, so I didn't have any friends either, and I, I had psoriasis from head to toe, so I got made fun of nonstop. But I, I didn't get beat up, because I, I don't think, it just wasn't an option. There weren't very many kids that were bigger than me. But... I not feeling uh, part of the group or connected or or like getting something ripped off of me and then wearing it the next day ripped because as a fuck you to the person who did it, that resonates with me. I know I did that sort of stuff because I maybe didn't get punched, but I got my stuff stolen and broken. And then I would just bring it back to school the next day and be like, yeah, this is mine. Well, I mean, that's the thing is kids are kind of like Lord of the Flies, right? Like now you sort of see it. It's like. This is different. <laughs> I must smash. Right. And, and they all kind of become the Hulk, and sort of that's the thing. And and I'm different. I can't really hide the fact that I'm different. Lord knows that I've tried. Shit, it just well, no isn't going to now. work. <laughs> and and the weird thing is, is there's never been a community that I fit in. Right. Um, so and for the, you at home who have no idea who the hell I am, 
<laughs> I'm not going to tell now. you. Um, but what's what's interesting in my career is that I've been part of a million different scenes, and therefore I'm kind of, you know, I'm involved in things that you wouldn't think of, and I'm sort of connected in all these different ways. But I'm not a soul of any one of them. I'm the center where they all, where a lot of them connect. Do you right. feel now in your adult life that you've matured? Quotations. That <laughs> is that the question? Is that is that the end of the question? Do you feel like you've matured? Well, you know, how, you can how do that. I verbalize an eye but. roll? I'm confused. You just did it. You just did it. I like the pause. Oh, how do you feel like you fit in anywhere? Have you found that? Yes, I married my wife about uh, 19 years ago, and yes. My wife, my cats, and imaginary friends, and that's sort of where where that kind of that's is. That's your happy place. Well, so years and years and years ago, um, like I, uh, I grew up in Fridley. I went to a high school. Um, Tino Grace, go Eagles, and <laughs> um, and and it was a very weird place because there were about four punk rock kids there, and and it was like. When I found punk rock at, at an early age, it, it literally saved me from uh, from committing suicide. It, it was incredible. I mean, right. uh, if if you ever look up the funniest story about preteen suicide in the world, you can read about it freaking ad nauseum. Uh, very sad. Very funny. Uh, but super sad. Mm. And so I was a pretty miserable um, kid. And then I saw Adam and the Ants, and it changed everything. Like, like it, of course, made me dress like an idiot, but eventually that got better. But, uh, but you have that, you have that thing, and and so, um, you know, I was in this high school where it was all kind of confusing. And the, the, the day I graduated, I I had a plan. So I graduated from high school on a Friday, did uh, did an overnight uh, thing, which Dana Carvey was the entertainment for. Really? What? Yeah. Oh. So you did the overnight party that they yeah, tend right. to do. You and have to the keep the kids morning, from killing themselves. I went to this gallery uh, called Rifle Sport that was downtown on E Block, and came in and said, "I am going to volunteer." And they're like, "Well, we don't really need anybody." I'm like, <laughs> "I can sweep." So I started that day with no sleep, sweeping the floor. Huh. Then I helped them with some stuff. As I was talking, um, they were like, "Well, you know, come back tonight for the opening, and you can kind of help usher things around." Then they were like, oh, my God, you own a suit. You can be the MC." <laughs> By the next day, I was the promotions director. Um, and within about three months, I was the assistant manager kind of running the day-to-day stuff. And my thought on this, and this, and this comes back to the point, was that um, I was not going to know a lot of people. I, I wasn't at this thing. But if I started throwing the parties... I would get invited to parties. Right. Yeah. And so I became the guy who built everything. I didn't really want to be the mayor of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the dog catcher. I just wanted to be able to show up mm-hmm. and be able to have that. It's never worked out that way. I've always had to be the guy who kind of instigates it, but still, you know, I That's get to go to role. get to That's, go to stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was creating the thing so that there was stuff I wanted to go to. And that's really how I feel it started. Like that's, that's like it's the origins of our podcast. It is. Let's create very... something so we can do something fun. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And that's been my whole career ever since. It's like I think of projects where I'm like, well, that's somebody I want to work with. Well, we should think of a thing. Because, yep. because again, Minnesotans, so 
<laughs> so it's like, I don't have friends outside of work, therefore I'm always working. <laughs> yeah. There is so much about being Minnesotan that I... And I think it, it translates well in the upper Midwest. Maybe other upper Midwesterners get it, but Minnesotans especially. like There's a lot about the things that we do and the way we do it where other people are like, well, why the fuck didn't you just reach out to him and say hi or something? Like, oh, because I'm Minnesotan. We keep to ourselves. We don't do things it's like It's difficult that. to say hi sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why didn't you just ask for why help? Yeah. Why didn't you just do this? Like, well, because we don't do that. Yeah, that's not a thing I understand. We we lived enough other places. Like up until we moved to Fridley in second grade, I lived um, eighteen other places. Oh yeah. Boy, yeah. Um, so it's like so you were that's talking a- about the new kid thing. Uh, when we moved to Fridley, I was then the new kid from second to sixth grade because nobody else moved in. <laughs> Oh. And, and then it was like kind of you were still the new kid. Yeah, I was like, well, he's still the new weird kid. Right. right. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and tenth grade were all different schools. So I was always the new kid just for that year, and then moved on to somewhere else. But not me. I just stayed in Crystal. I was. Oh, dude. You know, I just tried to keep low. You know. Not, so Chris, not pop up very much. Uh, <laughs> are your folks uh, still with us? Uh, no, that's why I made that whole comment earlier about my mother rolling over in her grave. Oh, yeah, it would yeah, be yeah, weird because yeah. that would mean she was buried alive. <laughs> well, super, the way you talk super about Super downer. <laughs> super downer. <laughs> so uh, so did the, the childhood problems, did those persist into adulthood or did they get their shits figured out and sort of get over that? No? Hmm. How to put that in a politically safe way? <laughs> Yeah, well, you don't have um, to answer that question. I, I'm just curious because it, it because you know, the, the thing is, is um, I kind of am Buddhist in nature. Mm-hmm. Things work out as they should be, mm-hmm. and sometimes the answer is badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we all have, but I also believe that life is sort of like a choose your own adventure novel. Like mm-hmm. you come to certain crossroads, and it's like, well, if you choose left, you get the princess and a million gold pieces and a pony and you turn right and uh i don't know you got to spend time with an insurance agent right you know and the the princess doesn't have a say in it is the deal well and the thing is is that old school that might seem like the good choice right like you get you get the pony and the princess well Pony is a lot of work. It eventually grows up to be a horse. What if you don't like horses? Uh, what if you're not into princesses? What if the princess is, you know, just boring? Right. Um, and what if the insurance salesman is like the most interesting person you've ever met? They just happen to sell insurance. You, yeah, and you end up going on vacations with them all around the world. I think that's a bit much. <laughs> that is a. I like that twist, though. Like yeah. you just end up going on vacation with the. I, we live a very different life, and um, I'm not that crazy. But but oh. my point is, what seems like a win isn't always a win. What seems like a loss isn't always a I loss. Agree. Yeah, wholeheartedly. So true. Yep. And and that's the thing is, you just never know till you know. So you so you really, it's sort of like you know, with my folks, I think they both had the ending that they were going to get. Yeah. And my, and my, they were, my dad himself is one of the most fascinating characters. Like the, the joke I always have about my family is that um, 
that when I when I tell stories about them, I actually have to tone them down because otherwise they just seem too unbelievable. But William Faulkner would have just been like, <laughs> "Fuck, dude, too much, too too much." Just it's roll a little it heavy. back. Roll it back. Ah, uh, then that makes me wonder: Does Stevie fit in there somewhere? Is Stevie's like is Stevie's family and your family close? Um. Was was that a close relationship when you were a kid? Um, yeah, and I can't speak for him, and I can't speak for his family, but there were you know there's stuff, and it's also it's also about viewpoint too, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people can go through. Uh, one of my favorite lines ever is from, of course, the movie Superman Two. So quote worthy. <laughs> yeah. Lex wow, Lut- that, where, I gotta remember which one. Where was Lex too. Luthor says, "Some people can read War and Peace and come away with it as a simple adventure novel. Some people can read a bubblegum wrapper and unwrap secrets of the universe. Mm. Meaning, perspective kind of oh. gives us everything. Oh. And so, some people can go through stuff, and it's like, oh, well, that's kind of sucked, dude. Let's get a beer. And some people can like never get over the fact that their parents made them wear plaid shirts when they were a kid and do true horrible performance art about it. And, um, and, and that's, you know, that's, I'm in neither case, but because of who I am and that it was different and his experience was different. I will say that, uh, Oh my God, the horrible things that boy did to me as a child, uh, Stevie, he, uh, he made me urinate on electric fence. Oh, um, oh my God. We, uh, well, we would, did that to each other too, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but he made you, That's he, different. he put uh, dog crap in my pockets. That's, uh, of him. He, oh, he was a kid and, um, and, but his own journey, man, it's all groovy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, uh, but the, uh, but you also have to understand the dynamic of our family. Like, uh, he got a he got a dirt bike when when we were about eight or nine, and like a, like little, a little. Are you are you and Stevie little, the same age? We are. Okay. Yeah. And it, like a little motorbike. Yeah. And it was like you know like a little you know somebody made it out of a cart out of a lawnmower thing. Yep. It was really cool. I really wanted one. My dad, being my dad, said, yeah, no, for sure. He went out and bought me a street-legal motorcycle. Mm. I was eight. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was a Yamaha 175 Enduro. I could not oh, hold yeah. it Dude, up. That's, yeah. a, that's a nice that's little bike. cool. Yeah. I couldn't hold it up. Somebody <laughs> that's a little had to much put for you. on it. <laughs> and then it was like, well, now you should. G- so not only was it go ride this street legal motorcycle that was really fast that you cannot hold up and somebody and you have to do circles till an adult can grab the bike and get you off of it. Yeah. You should go and jump ditches. Yeah, that oh sounds super God. reasonable. And, and, and again, you have God. to imagine as a child, I, you know, I could not have been more poindexter. It's like. I had a page boy haircut that my mother was pretty insistent upon um, because my mother really did dress me funny. Um, Big glasses. And and I'm there having to compete with, you know, you know, evil Knievel Jr. And uh, and it was just so, you know, but I've got this motorcycle and it's like I jumped a gully. I fell because no one had showed me how to jump anything. And then I was trapped under a burning motorcycle for that. And it's a hilarious story until you realize I screwed up my knee permanently from that. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's a really, this is is in the day of no, did you have a helmet? 
Or no, was it just God, no. no? You had a, well, they maybe had a helmets back then. They were just so crappy that it wouldn't have mattered. But well, and then the best part. So Stevie, yeah. got a three wheeler. I really wanted a three wheeler oh, then. Death on wheels. Yeah. So my dad, being the brilliant guy that he is, he's he got a three wheeler that was made out of a lawnmower that some guy had made in his backyard. Not a kit that was six inches off the ground. And the motors behind your head, so it was like a recumbent three-wheeler. Yeah. And then, but there was no guard on (laughs) the- This is the stuff I remember. On the belt. So so it was a matter of like, so had a stick, which was all over this place, jumped up. Yeah. I I would have been dead. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and that is, but I mean, again, we would play war with uh, live- ammunition so we had bottle rockets that you aimed at each other and oh, the God, best I part is this. oh yeah snakes yeah snakes you would have a snake battle <laughs> i wouldn't he would he would just whip snakes at you Those little and use like snake a live sn- no oh real snakes, snakes. yeah yeah like actual <laughs> snakes yeah, but we've got only garter snakes here in minnesota they can't hurt you you know what <laughs> No No one wants a snake thrown at them. No one does. Hey, James, I've got an idea. Let's go get some snakes and throw Throw them them at each other. See how happy this makes you. But not to bag on my cousin, who who I do love, although he, uh, you know, uh, but it is is one of those things. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, you know, but again, we had a weird family. It is. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. okay. I so know father stuff. that played us against each other for later years. Yeah, that's way too candid. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make light of all of it. Actually, it's. Uh, to, I know, am actually. That's kind of my job. <laughs> some of the, uh, some of the things that happen. Like there's a. This is why I find it difficult sometimes to be to be friends with people who didn't have some some knowledge of what went on in the '70s, early '80s. Like. You, it was a different world. It, it, we talk about the difference between the analog and digital world and how we kind of, people our age, sort of straddle both universes. Mm-hmm. Um, Bridget. I mean, the, the tail end of the 70s, let's say, like you were still getting those homemade three-wheeler things with no safety guards anywhere that, I mean, you would never in a million years give that to a kid these days. Like. Not any of the kids I grew up around. Anymore. Well, no. Now you'd have them in a class, uh, in a safety class, and it would, I mean, and there'd be like supervision all the time. It's yeah, I think it's the it's opposite. All, the they wouldn't just leave you alone. No, right. the pendulum may have swung too far, but at the same time, like yeah, so you got injured because someone put you on an enduro, a one seventy five enduro when you were eight <laughs> years old. That's just not a good idea, you know. It's but at the same time, uh, because. <laughs> because my parents made <laughs> awesome choices, there were all these things that I learned how to do. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been me. It's sort of like nobody wants to be thrown in the deep end of the pool. Um, literally no one. But because of that, I can swim. Yep. And there's a thing that you sort of, you know, I'm, I'm 50. I'm, I'm cool with a lot of the past. Yeah, I understand how I got here, and I can appreciate it, even though I didn't necessarily enjoy the journey. Yeah, and that's and that's sort of, you know, and that's sort of how I it totally is. get it. I mean, I I feel like you know the self reliance and resilience, a lot of that that I have, and the knowledge of how to fix those old mowers and stuff like that, is because I was we we're all doing that stuff when we were kids. It you was just to. sitting there. And, yeah, 
Yeah. And you, you went and played and you got hurt badly sometimes and you saved your little buddy from drowning underneath the, the dock. You know, <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> yeah. Well, and what makes my universe a little weirder too is um, I wasn't, I was raised by my parents part of the time, but they were gone. So by the time I hit seventh grade, they just, I never saw them. They okay. were on the road because uh, my dad was a salesman. Uh, do you remember uh, fat laces, the wide shoelaces um, from the eighties? Yeah. Thank I you. Do. That was yes. that was my dad. That yes. was Uncle Tony. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and a bunch of other really crappy inventions <laughs> um, that he worked on. But he actually invented them. Uh, well, he and- they were skating laces, and he said, "I bet you preppy kids would like this." He was totally wrong. They got adopted by hip hop guys, which then led to him making some ridiculously hilarious uh, attempts at hip hop products uh, and not succeeding. Sure. But he also, so he did incredibly well, but he was also silly with his, with his stuff. Yeah. Um, But I was raised partially by them, but then I was also raised by uh, my great, great, or my great grandfather. So who was born in 1880 or 1889. Wow. So I was partially raised by an honest to God, Edwardian. So I had this whole different set of manners that that you kind of had to follow. And so th- that is not going to make you popular with kids in the 80s. It's just, <laughs> well, it's really 1880s, not. Like, what, what kind of manners? Like, what do you mean by um, well, well, and also, my mom was this too. So, like, I had silverware drills. Oh. Like, can you set a table? Set a table. Do you know where the fish fork goes? Right. Like, what right. goblet to use? Uh, yeah. Well, not really goblets because it wasn't the 1600s and we had we had glassware. But, um, sure. Yeah. Crystal. Yeah. Goblets. Porcelain. Would you enjoy some mead, good sir? <laughs> um, so, so, no. But, so, so, was this sort of, it was a very, strange method and then any other friend that they could kind of just put us into including yeah including my uh my auntie and uncle um and i was the weird kid on that family because i was the only non-sports guy non-hunting guy and uh and nerdy guy who read too much yeah, it so, sounds like wherever you went, though, you were kind of the weird kid. In the, in the group. I'm not talking to him anymore. Yeah, you know. I, I think I think this this, ah, this portion is done. This, All right, Sam, you done. have. I'm out. I'm out. You are out. <laughs> hey, you guys, we're uh, we are 38 minutes into this. Do you want to take a break in the middle here and do that? I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll Five take minutes. a quick break. All right. Bye. <laughs> Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit PackSimply.com. All right, all right, all right. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what isn't? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique remodeling service, residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with a purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consolation. God, I just like... That that one... All right, that one is definitely not going to be mine. That could be my favorite. I could...
Want to go on a wilderness adventure with Sam? Or maybe know a group of kids who could benefit from a break from their electronics? Maybe you just need a break from the kids. Visit earthed.org for more information about how to get started. Brought to you by the Andalin app. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin... Ah, shit. Andalin, now available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit andalin.app for more information. Do you have an idea that you know deserves a digital solution? Finding a partner to help navigate the digital design and application building process can be daunting. Mobile Composer, in partnership with Kinetic Legacy, offers forward-thinking design built on a stable and adaptable compliance platform. Visit mcomposer.com or kineticlegacy.us to get started building the solutions of tomorrow. Enterprise or consumer together, Mobile Composer and Kinetic Legacy offer solutions that work in a language you can understand. Interested in art? James Holmberg... (sighs) Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. (sighs) Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit jamesholmberg.com to find out more. Not until Sam's. Oh, now we're back. All right, welcome. We're back. Still steamy in here. And we're back here with Chris Strouth. Yes. Here we are. Wednesday. F. It is afternoon. No one cares. Yes, Yes, that's the thing. I'd like to point out, though, time is relative. So (laughs) they're probably not listening to this at the same time because they can't. Unless they're in a different dimension or something. Oh, wow. Sure. <laughs> sure, that, <laughs> seems, that seems likely, yeah. No, you know, I, I try and tell him this, too. Like, what's weird? Someone's should gonna he pick have a six? bong? Because <laughs> that seems that seems. I don't know. Weird. It's Wednesday afternoon. I, what else uh, we got to do? Right. It, it, you know, someone's probably listening to this four months from now, and they're like, why are they talking about the time and weather? Like, because that's, that's what, what we do in the Midwest. And we that's do. why, yeah, this is, I know, this is favorite marking part. the moment that we actually mm-hmm. record. It you is. know, there's all something right. about this Don't get time. all artistic about God, it, let's get, look Oh, at look, it. look, the minute I show a little freedom, I get slapped <laughs> down. Wow. Well, this is when you could actually just have some serious fun with it and just kind of be like, oh, well, you know, to give the alternative reality, like, oh, well, you know, just some quick news facts of the day. Right. Uh, Trump uh, caught fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His pants actually <laughs> caught literal fire from. And what from causes people's life. pants to catch fire like that? I yeah. just don't get it. I yeah, it's right. just weird. I, I wonder. Are to I, and the it only out. symptom prior was his nose growing four <laughs> times that day. So who knew that was that was fun? And climate okay. change got fixed. So you know, oh, looks like good we're all going to be okay. Everybody. Yeah. Woo. Hooray! Yeah. Woo. Yeah. That was that was Man. really good. Okay. Yeah. That was really all right. Good. All right, well, so if you're listening to this in the future, uh, today was a great day. Today was wonderful. Those things happening. A little balmy, but, you know. Well, right, right. But the future is... And the future is looking good. The future is so bright. I got to wear my shades. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Ka-ching. All right, Chris, let's talk about some of your uh, endeavors, some of the things. uh, What are you working on right now? Um, I mean, let's go I got with wrangled right into this podcast thing of okay, talking besides, to some strangers. Besides <laughs> the podcast. Besides the podcast. I have a question. Sorry. Well, he, he hasn't about to get even started, but, my but have you done podcasts before this? Just curious. Um, yes. Yep. I think okay. so. Okay. Yeah. I, I, there's, I've done a lot of 
chitter chat in microphones. Well, you seem very, very comfortable, comfortable doing this. Yeah. Very natural at it, of course. Radio. Uh, yeah. I, well, the thing is, is I've been sort of stuck in public figureness since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's literally just sort of just part Second of the game. Nature. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the weird thing of like. Uh, because it's part of the job. If, if you don't do this kind of stuff, you kind of suck at your job. Yeah. If you're in my profession, which I think I'm the only one. I think mm-hmm. it's just me. Mm-hmm. How would you just, define your profession? Yeah, this is Let's start with interested. that because uh, I'm not sure how to define you. I don't. According to my taxes, I'm a conceptual artist, um, which means I think I'm an artist. Um, which, I, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, I, you know, I... I get roped into, I was mentioning this earlier, I get roped into pretty much everything because I'm a writer, but I don't ever think of myself as a writer. But I have a lot of friends who are writers and people keep publishing me, so I guess that counts for something. Uh, I'm a filmmaker because I've made a bunch of films, but I, if I'm not making a film at the moment, I don't think of myself as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, a, you know, I'm a composer, which is probably the thing I do most now, but... There's many times when I'm working where I just also going, why am I doing this again? How, how do I know how to do this? Um, so yeah, it's just like, I, I do a lot of stuff. Right. Um, I, you know, and, and then I, I like the Jack of all trades, master of none. Um, Cause it seems relatively accurate and not a bad thing because once you've mastered something, mm-hmm. why on earth would you want to keep doing it? Like, once you became right. the world's best whittler, wouldn't mm-hmm. whittling lose all of its mm-hmm. charm? Mm-hmm. So so then I guess my question is, is like, you know, so I, I would recognize you mainly uh, with your Graceful band. profile? Graceful <laughs> profile, yes. Yeah. Well, let, let's start with this. You know, before you even came on here, you know, we, you know, when you Google, mm-hmm. you know, you have your Wikipedia mm-hmm. page, which I think is pretty cool. It's, how, how'd you get that? I mean, how did that happen? Uh the, there was one before that wasn't there then. Um, it's, uh, someone here in town actually had, uh, had talked to me about making one because there's, there's actually people in Minneapolis who are very, uh, they're very heavy on taking down Minneapolis things because they don't think it's worthy, which is weird to me. But hmm. Wikipedia has its own rules. And, and I found out all about this from the guy who, who did it. Um, who is fantastic. I mean, because they, they really research. Yeah. And they can't put something in unless, unless you talk about it. In fact, like, um, I, there, there's a thing I'm hoping I'd get, uh, we talk about later just because, uh, because then it can be in my Wikipedia thing. Let's do that. And I, think, yeah. I think it would be hilarious. Yeah. Well, do you want to just jump right into that I, thing? Well, I mean, why not? Well, let's... um well, you yeah, were we'll just, come back just to it later because it'll make more sense. How, it even ha- how did it happen? I mean, um, how does that happen? They just, if you're referenced somewhere else, then they can put in a thing, and I'm referenced mm-hmm. a lot. You are. Um, and then, I, you know, besides being a musician, all this crap, I, I also had the world's first social media kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and consequently, that was in everything from Reader's Digest to the Washington Post and and uh, on the Ricky Lake show, which was horrible. You, uh, so you were personally on the Ricky Lake show? Well, I was Skyped onto the Ricky Lake show. Oh, yeah. And it's weird when like, when like all these editors and publishers start texting me going, we just got a call from Ricky Lake and they're trying to find you. 
And I'm like, it's weird to have a Ricky Lake based emergency. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, and then, like, and then well, it was not like, that hard to find. I'm not hiding or anything. Well, I think it was to be on, on the show right. like that day. And it yeah. was really wildly uninteresting. Huh. Um, yeah. And it was mostly like, aren't you concerned about oversharing on the internet? I'm like, no, I got a kidney. Are you daft? Right. right. I, I'm okay talking about the fact that I was sick. And, and, and basically, long story short, because this has been covered to death, yeah, um, yeah. or life, uh, yeah. is that we had, the, um, we had our whole, um, I, I got sick. There wasn't a lot of stuff about kidney disease because there aren't symptoms. And so I just started talking on Twitter to people who were music fans and art fans and stuff. And, um, and basically when I got, when at that particular moment, when I said I needed a kidney, I literally tweeted shit. I need a kidney. And, and all these news outlets were like men tweets shit. I need kidney gets kidney. And I'm like, yeah, except that's not the story. I, I built a community of all these people who were listening to me tell funny stories about having a be sick or going to dialysis and it's like it was when Twitter was fun sure. Twitter was a whole other thing everything in the used beginning. to be fun yeah well not everything I'm, I'm pretty sure dysentery always was pretty bad <laughs> but you know whatever I mean, every one of these social boat, media outlets that we just um, hate used to be fun but but yeah Twitter was I met so many interesting people I, I mean I've got friends that I still only knew from Twitter where it was like we would get heavy in-depth conversations now it's you know right. it's a kind of an echo chamber I just go there to you know, post articles to bots, I guess. I can't figure right. it out, yeah. Uh, I mean, that bots. is really interesting. I mean, I, I know that you've talked about this to death, but I mean, you are the... Oh. I mean, it is it is interesting. Oh, yeah. No, it, I, I mean, mean, and this saved your life. Oh, it totally did. And the guy who did it, who I knew but didn't really know, is Scott uh-huh. Pachyditis, who is like the most wonderful human on earth. Yeah. Uh, because he literally just gave me a kidney. And we're still friends. Uh, I mean, we're not... It's sort of weird because yeah. how many times can you say thank you and, right. and you want right. to say thank you forever? And part of... Uh, Part of being a transplant recipient is like anybody who's gone through any health thing is that a you're constantly aware that it's a parole not a pardon mm-hmm. um that you know that you have to appreciate the time that's there and and gratitude and that's the thing that I've, I've sort of learned like prior i built a lot of things that were very fast very furious everything was like and we would build these projects with massive super fast cuts that were disjointed and and post transplant it became like it about learning to take a breath and to always like um steady your aim uh prior and to remember that even on the worst most awful day uh to be grateful in fact that those are the days you have to be the most grateful because it's the days you need it the most to to be centering and it sounds a little zen and a little corny but it no, is it does a hundred percent true yeah. yeah and i wish i was better at it um because one of the things is acknowledging the fact that you're gonna suck at stuff because once you get good at it again it's sort of like game over so i plan on continuing to screw up in my life uh for decades to come and take chances yeah. and you it know, seems to be sort of a recurring that. theme on here too we've got a lot of a lot of our guests uh i think betsy betsy weiner was Wiener? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all good. We, we, we I've been over that a million names. times. I get it wrong yeah. each time. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, At least started, you didn't say Betsy hot dog. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> um, 
no, she sort of kicked that off. But then, you know, every I, I don't know. It just seems to be something that maybe we're all drawn to these days or maybe we're drawing in. I don't know. But uh, sort of a more Zen like approach to living life and a little more thinking about the permanence and impermanence of things and all that stuff. When you're a kid, um, there was a time where I didn't think I was going to live past 30 mm-hmm. because I was pretty positive I wasn't going to live past 30 because, and that was when I was 18. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, um, because you're crazy and you haven't sorted your stuff. And then you eventually find the things that you like and stuff has value. And I, I mean, I will say it was not, a, I didn't become the person I was until, until, Years later, you know, until I was like 23 or 24, did I feel like I had grown up at all. And even now, it's still, I'm amazed at my capacity to learn and change and discover. Because the thing is, if you don't have that, mm-hmm. you are lost. You, oh, it's yeah. game over. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's very important to be able to. I mean, so you, you're, well, and with your profession, I mean, you're constantly creating I mean, I know you mainly with the band. Yeah. You know, your music career. Well, and, and with the band, kind of to explain the stuff of that, it's this great band called Paris 1919 that nobody's mentioned yet. They're kind of bad at their job, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we leave trying, it to our guests. Trying yeah, to get trying to, to lead it. you to it. The, uh, well, I could never say who I am. You should. <laughs> All right. Fine. So, um, so Paris is sort of like this. I don't even try and explain it because it's just is. It's it started off as as a thing of when I was sick and I was trying to. I'd gone through like this really sort of dark period, and I'm like, I'm going to relearn how to play. I'd run record labels and move to the other side of the glass for a while. I was more producing. I wasn't really creating myself. And I decided I'm going to learn a program, and I'm going to and I'm going to get good at it to get out of this funk, and and that's exactly what I did. And then, and so I made a record that was kind of like as I was getting sick, which is called Book of Job, and it is kind of awful. It is really really dark. You can find it on all your major e-tailers. Uh, super depressing. Well, you just really sold it there. I, well, you know, it's pretty dark awful. Is good. But you oh. said awful. Like, do you mean bad or, or it's awfully dark? No, it's awfully dark. I there mean, and go. it is loud and it is noisy. Like, it, like I've had people who are like, oh, I really love your stuff. And then I heard your first record. Wow. Right. There was a change. And I'm like, yeah, because it is vicious. So can you describe, yeah. like, you know, what makes up your band? Because I've seen you perform and you're sort of like in front of, a variety of things. You've got your laptop. You know, you've got, you know, sort of a lot of electronic. Yeah. So stuff. So basically, what Paris is is, uh, it started off as just me, and then it became me and a randoming, randomly changing cast of characters. And for the past like five, six years now, it has been this the same group of people. Um, and I did this piece called uh, Antarctica, which sort of we solidified the next generation where we built a glacier inside a gallery, like a giant plastic uh, made out of yacht wrapping uh, by this woman, Asia Ward. And then we'd perform in it. And with dancers, uh, Deborah Jin's The Thayer Movement Architecture. Uh, try saying that three times fast. I think <laughs> you, you did. guys, uh, you did one of the performances uh, was at Public Functionary. That's that's Antarctica, yep. Yep. I was there, and that is, uh, and that was basically about. It was, it was this piece that took a long time to exist because I wrote it when I was recovering 
from the transplant, weirdly enough. It had gone through the transplant, like I said, was a big deal. Um, fun fact, if you're going to go in the hospital for a major operation, make sure that they ha- that you have news crews come. You get a way better room. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Way I had like Fancy. a suite. It was it was yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. Um, Did they call you Mr. Uh, no, doctor, because I bought a uh, doctorate <laughs> uh, online for $25, <laughs> and uh, it's paid for itself. Yeah, I yeah. bet it is. Yeah, and in metaphysics. So if you have a yeah. metaphysical question, I can't answer it. Right. But that's the joy of metaphysics. <laughs> um, but, but so Antarctica was this piece about isolation, because we'd done, like, for a while, I, you know, was doing 400 talks a day about the same thing. And after it was done, and I finally got a chance to look back at the void that I'd crossed and realize that no one could really totally understand where I was. Because it was like, oh, well, I just crossed that tightrope over that big, big chasm, and I'm not dead. Mm-hmm. Right. What now? <laughs> right. And, and, that was, and that's what Antarctica is about. And it's... And I did it through this metaphor of, of stuff. And I originally built it with somebody that I wasn't really friends with, but I wanted to try and establish a better relationship with. And then and I, he made some tinkling sounds. And then I rebuilt it into this whole other universe that then we built an orchestra. And, it's, and my guys, who are great, it's uh, Randall Davidson, who's a cellist. And Randall is... He ran the National Lutheran Choir. He wrote most of the music for early Garrison Keillor operettas. And this is true. You can look this up on, on the YouTubes. He wrote an opera for Charles Barkley for Nike. Um, where, cool. Yeah. And it's, it's hilarious. Um, it, but he did. He started the American Composers Forum. He's a serious classical composer. Uh-huh. And he plays cello with me, uh, which I also think is weird. Um, and then Drew Miller, who's my bass player, who's in a band called Boiled and Led and has been like the oldest Celtic punk rock band in the United States. And and they're kind of legendary. Um, and then um, uh, Mike Croswell, who uh, is our lap steel player and uh, amazing guy. And actually, they we it just went public yesterday that he uh, is cancer. Um, okay. And we, we've known for a while. He's been with us for a couple of months and they're doing a GoFundMe. So you hear this and you want to go help a stranger. Here's your opportunity. It's not going to cure it's anybody, but it'll Michael make his life Croswell, better. Yep. So said, yeah. and, um, and then Tim Ritter, who's been in a bunch of band, who've been in a bunch of cool indie rock bands, okay. Astronaut Wife, who's my other oh, electronics yeah. guy. Mm. Okay. And Belkoshka. And he's now in another band called Monbato. Um, and Michael Westbrooks, who uh, was in Landing Gear, which was a great shoegaze band, uh, currently in a band called Dirty Frames, and he was in Blue Sky Blackout with with that. So it's kind of like a we're by you know we've gotten called an avant garde supergroup. I was going to say supergroup. Um, uh, I, yeah. I wouldn't use that word. Yeah. I would say an avant garde uh, okay group. Um, but I'm a, again, yeah, Collective. I'm Minnesotan, so right, so right. we're modest. So I'm going to be very modest, but you can brag all say you want. Super group that popped into my head. When yeah. yeah, I was going to say all like Star. ABBA, well, All Star, well, Paris, <laughs> right. Paris, 1919, ABBA. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We sound a lot group? like too. They made more money no, than no. all of Volvo. But a super they, like, group is a mix of people yeah, from I'm different groups, that's right? What a super group is. There now. is that, yeah. But they were the first term that got. Or first group that got 
coined oh. the Super Oh, well, super I didn't cool. know that. Oh. And they won Eurovision. That's uh, some. I mean, I, I don't know. Big. So I, yeah, it's just my my understanding of what a super group. Okay. Well, What's no, the other but term you the can call name that kind of started with. Oh, them. Okay. They were the kind right. of the first. Some facts here. So yeah, that so piece. Though. I'm kicking the deep science, yo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, once again. Oh, once again. Yeah. 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 That piece, though, at um, public functionary was pretty cool. I mean, you you had the choreography then. Who was who was doing the dancing? Uh, that there? would be uh, Deborah Jinza Thayer and her movement architecture company. Yeah, and I've worked with Deborah a couple of times, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and she's great. Uh, it was like the Walker had actually introduced us, um, or no, Red Eye had introduced us a bunch of years ago, and I used to have a thing called Future Perfect, which was kind of a big collective, and we were at First Avenue, and it's an artist in residence at the Weissman Museum for. And this is several music? years. Yeah. Yep. And it was basically kind of a, it was a collective, a bunch of different people performing and, and that kind of stuff. And a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of big names sort of came early on. Guys like Jeremy Yolisocker, um, The Fog did their first local show on our thing. Um, it's a super group. Andrew Broder's kind thing. Um, but yeah, it was, and, it, and really it was one of those things like we started earlier, we were talking about earlier, my friend Kevin Cole, my friend Rod Smith, my friend Chris Sattinger, who's now in Berlin and it's timelined, we just wanted to be able to have a reason to hang out. Right. And so it was like, well, we'll do this and it'll become a thing. And it started off as, you know, like, hey, First Avenue has an open date after Thanksgiving, wouldn't this be a kick? And then wound up lasting five years and kind of reading all these interesting things and sort of helped to birth a, a big experimental scene. Right. Hmm. And and many and the Twin Cities has a huge experimental music scene. It's got one of the biggest in the country, actually. Hmm. Other fun fact. Yeah. Huh. Well, so it, when, you know, we, we don't do, like Jim knows you well, we don't do a lot of research. And part of the reason for that is uh, we've found that, especially with... Uh, with sort of more, the more the people who have already had a career, they don't necessarily want to come in on the show and just talk about the same crap they always talk about. So, so if you, the thing that you would be most promoting these days would be Paris 1919. Is that correct? That's, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of your main gig these that, days. That's sort of that's sort of the primary thing because I put everything under that umbrella, and we have a new project. Um, I have a new thing called with my friend Luke Hyken that who does drone, not drones called uh, music for buildings. And it's been a little inactive, but we've done two projects, but so far, but they've actually been Paris projects. Okay. Um, but in kind of this most recent thing, which was pretty interesting, I'm just going to give you the four one one on it because some of this stuff is, is what we do is, is art. And there's a difference between art and, and entertainment. Now, a lot of times we don't think that there is because it's, you know, they kind of cross over. But but what we do is pretty solidly art. It's not necessarily fun. Like for his, his jolly and jovial as I can be here, right. my work is fucking depressing. Right. <laughs> we did a piece called Grief, right? It's after, after my... my um, after my mom died and we did and it, it when i say it is depressing i that it's not an understatement it, my wife would be like you can't tell people it's depressing i'm like it's called grief okay <laughs> right, right. they should right. be able to glean the that poster is like a charlie brown 
looking at a fallen ice cream cone that's got his face. It's depressing. We're putting it right out there on right. the cover. And when and that was a theater piece. And I got I got this great actor, Charles Hubble, who's you've seen in a million billion things. And and I, I called him and I was like, Charlie, and, and I want you to be in this thing. And he's like, okay, are there a lot of lines? I'm like, no, there's no lines. He's like, well, that sounds easy enough. I'm like, sure. <laughs> so what you're going to need to do is cry. He's like, well, yeah, I can do that. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need you to cry for about 20, 25 minutes. And it's like, well, Chris, that's not how theater works. Nobody's going to want to watch that. I'm like, no, no, they're not. <laughs> and, and here's the thing is for three minutes, you're going to, understand and it's going to be okay and it's going to be awkward the next two to four minutes are you going to be turning away and then after that you're not going to be able to turn away and about 10 minutes in everybody's going to be crying and and that's exactly what happens because the thing is is like you know the usual thing is like oh my god john's dead (gasps) i will go on it will be hard but i will go on Oh, John. And then they move on and it's just life. And I'm like, well, that's not life. That's not what anybody can understand. And, and really nowadays, and especially as you get to a certain age, we're always in this state of collective grieving because we're connected to more people than we ever were. Your relatives in Elk River um, maybe had 20 constituents, like 20 people that were in their immediate go drink with or in the case of your uncle pete beat the crap out of um love you uncle pete and uh i don't i still have the scar uncle pete damn you shakes mighty fist and 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 that's the thing is like you know you get that you get that bit yeah yeah i mean our our spheres are much larger than they used to be is that the whole piece no, I mean, you go through the whole state, all the stages of grief. Right. And it is heartbreaking because mm-hmm. we, uh, he was watching like images of what we assume was that. I reenact a car crash without reenacting a car crash with the audio. And, and it's haunting and beautiful because, mm-hmm. again, what I, what I was saying before is that art being an abstract expression of, of a concrete truth. And, um, and, and that's kind of it. Uh, like, I can't, I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do. And this is, I, I, do the, I wound up with this a lot in art. We, we just did this other piece, which was also incredibly depressing, uh, <laughs> called For Now. It's about gun violence. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's literally depressing. We've done it twice, both time in churches. And directly before, horrible things have happened the day before. And you'd say, well, what are the odds of that? And it's like, well, it's... America in 2019 should be yeah. sadly way too good. Yeah, right. And and yeah, and it's and it's a heavy piece, and it's based on a Catholic funeral mass. Okay. Um, so how does that? How did that? You know, work itself out. Like, how did you? Did you go to the church and propose this performance, or yes. did you already have? Okay. Yeah. No, I had the idea of what I wanted to do, um, and the thing is, is part of, there's some music that you want to see in a bar. Like, um, you want to see um, the Bad Companions in a bar because they're a bar band and you want to drink beer and it's loud and it's noisy and it's fun. Um, then there are things you don't want to see in a bar. For example, Brahms. Lullabies in bars are kind of awful. Right. doesn't work. And, um, and we're a tough one when we're doing our big pieces to see in a bar because things get very, 
very quiet. Mm-hmm. But then they also get extraordinarily loud. Mm-hmm. And um, and this throws guys who are high at a bar uh, immensely. I had a guy, a literally a, a sound engineer who'd been in the industry for a long time, and he's like, he's like, man, I don't know what to do with your music. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, there's sometimes it's really quiet, sometimes it's really loud. And I'm like, yes, it's called dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, sh- it should be part of everybody's good, you know, good nutritious breakfast. Right. And and it's a thing that isn't. And so, and there are things you want to see sitting down. And there's sure. things. Well, think about it when you watch a movie, right? When you watch a movie in a theater. You're engaged. You're you're there. It's like you forget that you're in the theater. Yeah. When you watch a movie on TV, you are aware that you are watching a movie on television. You're thinking about the dog. You're thinking about the cat. You're thinking about your uh, in, in your... James' case his his multiple ferrets. Right. Right. Um, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Your ferret family. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Collection of ferrets. all named Mike Tyson, which is weird. <laughs> many living, many stuff. Is, uh, is Paris 1919 a reference to World War One? It is. Yeah. I think there's a book by that. I've. There also is. Right. That's. It starts out as like, uh, and I could be totally butchering this. It's been a while. Oh, we don't read deal them. in facts. I know, I know. They're in my, my little book collection library. But it's one month, and then it's a week, and then it's a day. Like, they keep distilling down into the the armistice or the treaty, correct? That's exactly what, what it missing? is. Almost everybody yeah. thinks it's like, oh, you named it for the John Cale album. Uh, some people are like, oh, you named it for the John Cale song. And and the reality, oops, gotcha. <laughs> um, and the reality is is that what what it's named after is the Treaty of Versailles. It's yeah. it's the the peace treaty where where for those of you who don't follow history, I'm looking at you. Yeah, and that's <laughs> great. At home is no one knows who I was pointing to. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. It's not- <laughs> But it could be either one of us. But but they'll be shocked to find out it was really TV's William Conrad of (laughs) canon fame. Mm. Um, Sitting in the corner, been been quiet the whole time, but whatever. Well, of course he's quiet. He's been dead for several decades. Why you have a stuffed William Conrad, I find disconcerting, but I'm not going to judge. He's always quiet. Always. Uh, But he says a lot with just the way he looks at you. Yeah. Yeah. Please, I'm dead. Let me go to my final resting place. You bastards. How did you get your hands on my corpse? But back to World War One. Yes. Um, Oh, I love this topic. So, so yeah, it's basically like this very weird period of time where it's like, where it's like this need for retribution, which is a pretty human need, kind of guarantees an equal but worse outcome. Yeah. That more or less, it's like in the attempt to, 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 uh, to get that pound of flesh, you wound up exhorting a, a horrible toll. And, and part of the name comes from, you know, and I, I grew up kind of goth. Um, and, and still sort of, that's, that's sort of the wheelhouse that I think about because we all sort of still view ourselves a little bit as teenagers, I think. Mm-hmm. It happens. Yeah, and so, so I always kind of judge stuff on like that. And it's, you know, I came from bands like, Psychic TV and Coil and Nurse with Wound and a bunch of other bands that your listeners and none of you have probably ever heard of. <laughs> Jim, maybe. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say no. I'm, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this is not. This is not the mainstream. This is kind of kind of the underground stuff. So, 
And what we kind of are in a lot of ways is we're we're the polished bougie version mm-hmm. of some really dark weird stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, and and we can cover things that you wouldn't normally cover. So like the gun violence thing, we did that with an eight person choir. And it was led by a woman named Natalie Nowitzki, who is an incredible voice. And she's like a master European vocalist, right? So she gets that kind of Bulgarian women's choir kind Mm. of sound and all these kind of Eastern European Mm. folk traditions, Mm -hmm. which sounds horrible, but it's beautiful. And you've heard it in a million things. And then this really heavy choir in a string section um, that we mix with really pretty stuff into heavy drone into like I, I mean I'll flat outright steal ideas from Muzak there was a group called uh, the Mystic Moods Orchestra mm. uh, I cannot recommend looking them up <laughs> enough um, and in the 60s and 70s somebody said what if we took kind of easy listening and then added sound effects and it is it's- magical uh, especially their weird erotic records which are just so wrong that you will not stop laughing and they make country records with like sounds of a jamboree in the background, but right. it's easy listening. And so I, I took that concept and brought it into this with a really pretty and beautiful melody. But, you know, all of a sudden it's a rainstorm and you're hearing the aftermath of an incident. So there's sirens and people and thunder. And without telling you the story, I let you write one in your mind. It, it is it's such a more powerful thing. Um you guys know the movie Citizen Kane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you know this scene in Citizen Kane where uh, Wells or Kane and the ingenue are like they're sitting in a in a in the dining room of um, of the mansion mm-hmm. and it is it is a stormy dark night and all you see is this table and the two of them some of the food and a fireplace and it's it's all black it's it's a pretty famous scene yeah yeah i can um, envision it what's the greatest thing about that scene is that they filmed it on an empty sound stage they ran out of money they had yeah. the fireplace built and and the chairs but not even like the table so they just sort of assembled the look of it Right. And your brain puts together the rest. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. And that's sort of that's sort of what we do with Paris is a lot of times we don't have giant budgets. So I'll put together the other bits to make your mind do the work. And your mind is a way better painter than 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 I am. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about just before I forget this thought, then Paris nineteen nineteen also that time period right after World War One, sorry, right after World War One is the beginning of the modern world as we as we mm-hmm. call it, it's Einstein and the theory of relativity that he discovered and transportation and art. And so I particularly find that time period so fascinating. So everything you're explaining and what your super group, I'll say it, is doing is kind of a nod back to that because we're, it's that evolution of where are we heading next. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, mm-hmm. that, and that's intentional because at the same time, you've got the Bauhaus, Bauhaus is, mm-hmm. is kind of starting right at that same time. Mm-hmm. And again, you're thinking about the aftermath of the, Weimar the most and, messed right. up universe. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden Berlin becomes the but craziest the center of cool. Right. And, and then there's an undercurrent of the, the conservatism and the backlash. So it's this melding of two, you know, very different groups of society that then of course comes to world war two but you're tapping into that berlin yeah scene. you get sir you get the the start of surrealism mm-hmm. the the bit of mm-hmm. the end of dada and 
Dada is such a like when usually somebody says, oh, I'm really into Dada and I'm a Dadaist, that makes you want to punch them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it does if you're me because it's like, oh, you're kind of purposefully obtuse. Yeah. And and the way that somebody described Dada to me and uh, Ruth Ann Gadelli explained this to me back in the rifles or no, uh, excuse me, Andrew Roble back during the rifle sport days. And it's still the best metaphor for World War One I've ever heard is you have to realize that you'd have these ground battles where 5000 people would die. Well, you have to realize that the last thousand to die had to walk over the bodies of the previous four. And that's Dada. And it's like, oh, my God, all of art made sense way more than anything you ever learned in art school. And yeah, it's like, plus the other thing about Paris in particular is that it's 1919, but like 1920, all of a sudden that's the start of one of the greatest ages of there of like, you know. The cafe society and all that. Exactly. It's like everybody's sort of there and it's Mm -hmm. it's just... An epicenter of... It's the birth of the new, mm-hmm. but it's not quite there yet. And that's, and that's sort of what I really liked it. It's such a, it was such a kind of absolutely perfect name mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, Sarah and I, I, well, we all talk about this even with our development, you know, especially with the Andalin is that, you know, it's a, a way of filling in the blanks with mm-hmm. uh, memory. Yeah. You know, so when you're talking about like, you know, you give just enough here and then you have this blank space almost that that we fill in during your performance, that, you know, that's exactly it. And we do uh, I, I, I now within the group, I refer to things as tricks or magic tricks, um, because there are certain things that we'll do that I know they're meant to make you think something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually wrote a piece that wound up not happening because, uh, because they went under, which, which I was really excited. That was all about implanted memory and the whole idea of how memory works and how malleable it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it was this really great idea. And, and it was just like, uh, it was called uh, hunted by memory. And the idea was that you were going to think, Oh, this thing that didn't happen totally happened. Right. That was really cool. Well, yeah, we did. We didn't, do that at all. Yeah, we, that's another thing that we talk a, a lot about is false memories, mm-hmm. how you can kind of conjure up an idea, like, you know, or you think something happened, you know? If you hear it enough, I yeah. mean, there's, you know, events you weren't a part of, but you'd swear up and down you were, like, yep. no, that you was can, me that that happened to. No, it was clearly this other person. We have the yep. photograph. But you have a yeah. false memory yeah. of it. Right. Well, and it's the thing is because memory, we tend to think of memory working like a videotape. And mm-hmm. instead, um, which is an old-fashioned device for you millennials. <laughs> um, and the reality is it works more like the holodeck. We're experiencing each memory as a thing, so eventually you can transition. And the thing is, it, it's great in places like therapy where you can take a bad memory and make it good. You can, you can basically you know, help get over a horrible experience. Uh, for example, James's incident with the pony. <laughs> Right. Uh, I'm sure you're going to devote a whole episode to. And uh, good old sugar lump. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering where he was going to take the pony thing. I mean, we all know about it. It It's tragic. But let's not talk about my pony. It's a. It's a horrible, horrible thing, but uh, but well, you know I, I. But again, kudos to you for embracing your bronyhood as an adult. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not so, lying about that. <laughs> so I love listening about. Uh, I mean, I do love history. I think we all do, and I think that uh, in this group anyway. And I think our 
our sense is, or at least I feel this way, and we talk about it on here sometimes, like you, you wouldn't know what you were going through in the time it was happening. So if, you know, 1920 Paris, you don't, you don't know exactly that this is going to be looked back upon as some time where things were transformational or whatever. And I, I think, I, I truly think that we are, I think everybody's going through an era that you can look back on and define clearly that's history. But I, I think that we've got, we're in a unique position with the damage we've done to the planet, the the kind of free for all from the 70s or 80s to today of just making everything we could possibly think of and shipping it all over the world and global economies. And we're watching this, you know, the rise of the right or the rise of the popularism, whatever you want to say. And, and I, I don't know where we're headed, but I know that there are there are things coming. I think. Well, I think the thing is, is wherever we're heading, it'll go somewhere else. Wherever you think it's heading, it's going to go somewhere yeah. else. The right will become the left. The left will become the right. Dogs and cats will join together in romance. Yeah. It's all going to go cuckoo nutty. And we can look at history and we can look at legacy. And that's, that's a really kind of important thing. But right now, it's like, right now, it's kind of all bets are off. It's sort of like. It sure feels like it. Well, yeah. we used to know there were. There were rules, right? There were, that's why rules existed to kind of uh, politeness. And this is the thing I, I learned from my, my great-grandfather is that there's a, there's certain etiquette that's there to give you civilization and give a sense of normalcy mm-hmm. in wilderness. Mm-hmm. Well, we live in a world where we've, where we've removed that normalcy. When your president can say pretty much anything, and the reality is anybody can say anything. Mm-hmm. I taught college for um, several years at an institution that will not be uh, named. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it was funny because when I got there, I didn't quite, I, I was trying to relate to kids big ideas about history and concepts about the, uh, the music industry. And I realized they did not want to listen to me. They wanted to make um, dope beats, as it were. Yeah, and and what I realized is what's going to help is if I swear a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to swear, and I, I kind of so I sort of like became the guy in a suit who was like, well, bleep and bleep bleeping, right. uh, mother bleepings. Um, then then you got their attention. That was that made it cool to hear me talk sure. about heavier concepts, yeah. right? And and it's weird that we have to do that, but but again history kind of doesn't matter it, in, in the modern age because there's so much of it. There's a, there was a really interesting study that came out today that it's every minute on YouTube, it's 600 plus hours of new footage. Mm. We have something like every year, it's more than twice of all of recorded history. Yeah. And it is, and while that's great, it becomes the thing of like you have so much documentation that there is no documentation. There's, yeah, yeah. it's right. It's all sort of lost, and we've and we've let go of a lot of institutions. And now this is this is one that'll probably weird you out a little bit. But when I was in college, um, like I said, I, I joined this rifle sport gallery, which now people look at and it's like, oh, this is a thing. At the time, we had no idea it was just a thing to do. Nobody knew that it was going to have a life of its own. And I've been fortunate in that. I've worked for a bunch of things that that became legacy bits, like sure. Air Police and Twin Tone Records and, and all this stuff that you're just not expecting. But 
I was craving it in college, and um, oh, it's, it's tornado sirens. So one, one o'clock on a Wednesday, every, everybody duck and cover. Yep. You bring it back to the time and the weather. <laughs> well, man. Always, you, you always know those things go off. It's one o'clock on a Wednesday. Should I mention that you're also eating lutefisk this entire time? <laughs> Left son, lutefisk for lunch. Come on, man. Yeah, it's uh, a little lie. Oofda, indeed. Um, but I wanted to. I wanted to understand this. So I joined a fraternity. So um, I am, I'm in a fraternity. I'm uh, Delta Kappa Epsilon. Weirdly enough, same as... I kind of can't picture you in a fraternity. Yeah. Like, I, that is definitely weird. <laughs> like, I, you did. You threw me off now. Yep. I had blue hair and a cape when I, when I uh, pledged, too. Yeah. Well, okay. And, yeah. and, it's, and not only that, it's if you, uh, it, it has got uh, George Bush, uh, senior and junior, oh, yeah. both, oh, both members. Um, it has more presidents than any other house. Um, it's weirdly like a lot of like skull and bones types. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, at Yale, that's where they progressed to. Was was they started off as deeks, which is hilarious. But I was, you know, that's where I was because I really liked the idea of like Cole Porter was a famous deke, um, and and all these Dick Clark was a deke, and I liked that idea of like having this connection greater than yep. myself that I could like. At a time when I was absolutely rootless, I needed something that gave me roots because I didn't have sure. family to That's connect fair, to. Yeah. And it was and it was really kind of powerful. And it's and it's funny because like of I, I know a lot of people and I've been part of a lot of scenes, but you would think that like, you know, it's like, oh, cool punk rock friends. And and there are people that I've known all along, but that I'm still really close to, but not but I'm way closer to guys who I was in this fraternity with mm. than most of the others because we had a different bond um, yeah, as opposed to formative years. Well, as opposed to the transitory music one. Sure. sure. And that's, to me, that's, that says something. It's, it's an institutional thing because you're living there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus not living there. Which is, I had a brief stint in a fraternity as well. It what, didn't, didn't sit well with me. What house were you in? God, I can't even remember. I want to say I, I that won't, tells I'll, you a lot. I'll kill it. it. No, I, I really didn't want to do it. A friend talked me into it, and when when I went to a party, and and the dude, like one of the elder brothers or whatever, shot a pistol into a tree in downtown St. Cloud, I was like, I'm out. This is I'm not going to a parties where I'm getting killed. So yeah, that's uh that's weird. <laughs> yeah, St. Cloud. It was just not a good scene. Well, so. yeah, that that was not like. Um, we wore ties. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, no, no yeah. I've got plenty. I've got of plenty of punk rock gun stories, but none in the fraternity. Yeah, I've right. got plenty of friends from my my years at camp who are all uh, in fraternities, and I think campus by campus, the the Greek experience can change dramatically. So, it, well, and it can be weird. And now I think it's a different experience too. But it was to me, it was like one of those things where it's like. Um, <laughs> I was already a scoundrel. That's where I learned to be a gentleman, I guess. Yeah. Uh, because I think there's something to be said for a scoundrel and a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was like I met all these people that I wouldn't have otherwise. And people who now, like, you know, or from completely, you're not in the echo chamber. You're you're talking to people from different politics, different uh, belief systems. And, you know, like it's hilarious. One of my dearest friends who's mm-hmm. who's... Uh, from the house is a re is a hardcore Republican, super Christian deacon in his church. 
Um, and it's hilarious. Like you, you would see us together and not think we even know each other as opposed to like, you know, he's just a dear, dear friend. Hmm. And, Mm -hmm. but then there's also the other side of this. And this is the thing that I think is hilarious. So a few years ago, I went back on homecoming. That's usually, usually kind of the thing. Sure. And I am, we're touring the house and, and walking into stuff and I see, but I see my old room, right? So we go in and there's some kids listening to some just horrible Diplo Skrillex clone. And I'm like, and I'm I like, don't even know what that is. Uh, uh, <laughs> that, that would be this music called, you know, techno or in oh, this case. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Dubstep. Right. Um, and so, so I walked in and I'm just like, you know, and I'm not exactly dressed like a, like a, you know, like, like, middle-aged dude at least i hope not at least hipster middle-aged dude or, <laughs> right. or probably more realistically super gay middle-aged dude um <laughs> hard, hard but but or fine, fine line or aging us. mod really but so i walk in and we're like i'm like and they've got this blaring and i'm like oh so what are you listening to and the guy's like looks at me very squarely and he's like oh this is a mu- just like i did to you this is a music called techno with air quotes and um and i'm like yeah no i, I understand that and he's like oh it is dubstep and i'm like again i understand that i'm just wondering what the album is and he's like oh yeah, this is uh, you know, and it's and then proceeds to go into it and then explain stuff and he's like, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a promoter and I'm like, oh that's that's neat, <laughs> that's um, real cute of you. And and I talked to him for about two minutes and he's like, so so did you do you like this kind of stuff? Do you like music? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, are you familiar with this thing called House Nation? And House Nation was this thing my friend Tom Spiegel started and and later on Kevin Cole and and myself uh, became involved in and. And it and it's sort of like the first big house rave thing uh, back during the acid house days, and I'm like, Do you, are you familiar with this? And he's like, Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, cool. We used to have all the meetings here of all places, <laughs> and and we invented a bunch of crap that you guys now do in this room. But please go on and tell me how awesome Skrillex is. <laughs> <Right>. oh, <yeah. laughs> Comes full circle. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and, but then, but I, I can yeah. actually take this one step further. Because about two weeks ago, I was at a, a quinceanera, which is already a weird statement for me to say. Yeah. Uh, but my 15-year-old sister just turned 15. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and um, and I, this guy came up to me and, and kind of says, you know, the, the, the magic phrase. And I'm like, excuse me? And he, he had been a deke in 1962. His son had been a deke in like class of 2000 and as we're kind of talking i realized this dude and i the the guy who graduated in class of 62 lived in the same room oh which oh was gosh. weird and then i found out uh you know the the parts gallery here in town mm-hmm. he's a deke really i was totally surprised by that because i talked to him several times over the years and not found it a pleasant experience and and uh, i'm sure he's a lovely man um but 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 it was Failed like oh to show well this would have given us another days. thing not to connect on and right. um that would have been um probably even less fun so right but but that's the point of that sort of legacy that that kind of is going away and right, right. and we've kind of got to make a point to kind of reconnect and i think of, that pendulum will swing yeah, yeah and part of it is um is on us and i'm looking at the people over 40 in the room which i'm assuming you're 12 13 <laughs> um no no I'm, pushing I'm 30 little, just pushing oh, 30 oh, come on yeah. i just had a birthday i know i know 
<laughs> I'm in the over 40 club. We can say that on Oh, we well, that on good for you. Yeah. Oil of Olay. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Olay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your skin is radiant. <laughs> they'll they'll send you, you a regenerate. case. <laughs> it's like 20 bucks. We're looking thing. for sponsors. Yeah. Right. Well, and just, you know, the same way James keeps getting sent stuff from the My Little Pony people. Yes. Right. Who celebrate his, right. his full embrace of broniness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, uh, I do want to, I do want to mention one thing here. We are uh, 50 minutes into the second half <laughs> of an hour long show, whatever that means. Uh, we don't care. It's Christ, show. You guys are really bad at this. We do you whatever keep we want. That. You gotta, we do what we, we want. Just yeah, beat we the crap out of that do guest. Whatever we, we want. sometimes no. we even we even split it up into multiple episodes. We don't care. No one cares. We got we got not not enough people. <laughs> I out hope there the cares. audience cares. <laughs> no, they do care. They do, I, well, sure, some of them do. Uh, I, it's not <laughs> that I. It's not that I. You at home to. should feel really good about your listening choices <laughs> right now. That's a uh, good job. <laughs> Totally they've come care. to they've come to understand what we're all about. Um, I would like to say, uh, so I just wanted to point out the time, yep. and I and I wanted to make sure that uh, we did touch on the one thing that you said we'll get to later. Did you get to? That's it? what I wanted to say too. Yeah, yep. I did just subtly sneak in a whole twenty minutes about that. Did you good? I did. Oh, it's yeah. like nice. you're a pro. Nice. You're an absolute gangster, pro. pro. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Chris Strauss, pro. Um, well, so have you? Have you? Manage to uh, promote the things that we don't know about that you wanted to promote. Are there any other things you'd like our audience? Is there a point to it? You just told no. me nobody's listening. It's I your didn't mom. say nobody's listening. It's no, my no, dad, no, it's her dad. Oh, yeah. usually we slip a color in. Let's Surprisingly do it. enough, people are listening. Yeah, no. Sarah, put a color in there. Just uh, oh, Jim's the we were just. You guys are colors. looking at colors all morning. How about um, golden rod? Okay. Oh wow! So I this don't. this tests the man. Uh, so this is a pl- so uh, a, the answer. Like a, well, no, no, no. Yeah. So the answer to this is appliance colors from the 1970s. Ooh, yeah, okay. yeah. Like what did that. they call that green? It was an avocado. Uh, was that was it? in fact avocado. Was green. it avocado green? Avocado yeah. Although it would not be an avocado you would want to eat. No, no. I was, no, was like unhealthy. Spice oh, today. I should. I blanked out. We yeah, that's okay. Golden, golden what? Golden rod. I don't. Golden rod. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of uh, liked it. We had a we had a, a dining room that was called Butterscotch Tempest, Ooh. which I always thought would have been the best stripper name. Oh, Butterscotch. to the it stage, might, Butterscotch Tempest. Tempest. But in like 1952, right? Wow. right. That's a little like That's Aquatic good, Mayhem. Like, why would yeah. the Tempest be at the end of it? I, don't I like know. it. It makes no sense. Aquatic Mayhem is a good color name too. Yeah. yeah, and a fine hardcore band from the early '90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're Aquatic Mayhem, and we love Green Day. All right, you guys. All right, we all right. should we should well, wrap this you, up. Thank you, Chris, Chris, for sharing. Chris, it, I gotta say too, and I, you know, I know I'm interrupting here at the very end, but it, it sort of, it feels like there wouldn't be enough episodes that we could invite you on where you could actually get out all of, all of what's going I know, on in I that brain. I kind of feel like we're cutting this short. I know. You know? Uh, and I think that I think that that means that uh, we should have you back sometime. So mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to come back. And next time, you don't need to send the man with a gun to get me. Oh, <laughs> okay, perfect. All right. But Chris, thank you for coming thank in. Thank you. Yes. Oh yeah, thanks for having Very me. Is there a, a uh, is there a particular website you'd like to throw out there real quick? Um, it's really hard not saying something really awful, like, like you know, like, like are you talking my favorite like porn site? Porn.com is really which, been which fantastic. Which site do you want me to throw out there? Uh, no, you can. I was thinking about you. 
I well, I am the most infinitely Googleable person. There I have a go. high Googleability. Um, oh. But you can find out more about me, which you certainly won't from listening to this at uh, <laughs> chrisstrauth.com. You can oh, you can find Paris nineteen nineteen at paris nineteen nineteen dot com. We, we were very clever in our marketing. It was a, hey, this is Legacy URL Matters was, podcast. Was available. Uh, yeah, it was. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, and. Um, and yeah, and it's like, and, and if you want to see a project that I made that has nothing to do with music, uh, that for some reason I still own alliedchemical.com. It's the world's largest fake chemical company and got me sued for $20 million <laughs> for real. There see, is a cliffhanger for you. you. Ki- All right. And you're next coming time, back. Next I time mean, we'll talk about alliedchemical.com. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. All right. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Thanks, Chris. Guys. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.